So we turn to Luke's Gospel this morning in the 18th chapter, where we find ourselves in the middle of, you might say a conversation, a a gathering as Jesus is speaking and saying a number of things and being asked questions. And one of the things he tells them, as Luke puts it, is this. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out continually by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. These parables Jesus tells can be so tricky at times. They have to sit with us a little while before we are able to pull from them what you might have us know. So as we talk about this parable today, the widow and the unjust judge and Jesus speaking to the disciples and what in that you might be saying, sit with us, guide us, shape us, renew us, send us back out into the world as a people of faith and a people of hope. In Christ's name, amen. So when my sister, my younger sister, was four years old, she went through this period of time in when she was praying to our grandmother, Mimo, on my dad's side, my dad's mom. Anything come up, she would pray to Mimo. When she would do something that got her in trouble, off a prayer would go to Mimo. One point, my dad, who was a smoker at the time, tried to quit smoking, prayed to Mimo. And so it just became routine for her. And she'd announce it. I'm going to go pray to Mimo about that. And so we finally just decided, you know, we need to get in on this racket. And so we said, we just started asking her to pray to Mimo for us. If we had something, you know, I I messed up the other day, can you pray to Mimo for me? And she'd say, oh yes, I think Mimo would really like to know about that. And this went on, you know, for a while. She was our medium to Mimo. (laughs) 
And it happened for a good long while until one night this freaky thing happened to us. We were on our way back from downtown Dallas. We were coming up the tollway. And the wheel of the car sheared off, just fell off. And my dad, it was just us, and my dad had to wrestle the car to the side of the road as the wheel passed by us. (laughs) And we're sitting there, we're stranded. This is long before cell phones, you know, so we had no way of really contacting anybody, and and we couldn't get the spare tire on because it was all messed up. Thing had sheared off. So we're sitting there, and my dad's scratching his head, and he looks at my sister and said, you know, now might be a good time to say a prayer to Mimo. And she looks right at him and said, no, Mimo, Mimo can't, she's not going to help us. Well, why not? And with that bright little look that only a four-year-old had, you know, that innocent little matter-of-fact look, she looks right at my dad and she says, well, Mimo's not listening to me anymore. I've turned in too many complaints. <laughs> At the age of four, at the age of four, she was already figuring out what it is to struggle with the idea of prayer. She was losing heart, turned in too many complaints. You know, we often, we can lose heart from time to time when it comes to our prayer life. Prayer is such a, well, it can be an awkward thing. We don't know how to pray. We don't know if we even know what to do when we pray. We don't, we find, it's a, it can be an awkward thing. And we struggle with it. We might, you might find yourself asking yourself, if you're getting really honest, you might be asking yourself sometimes, is there really, is anyone really out there? Is there anyone really listening? Or is this just a waste of my time? How many times have you sat down and maybe tried to pray or prayed even if you're a routine daily prayer person and not had even a hint of wonder if there's really a God out there who is really listening to what you have to say? How often have you prayed and even wondered if God is listening? Maybe God's fed up with all my complaints, just one one's not listening anymore. How many times? We struggle with prayer sometimes. That's what prayer does to us. It's part of the business of prayer because prayer assumes something quite unique. To pray assumes that there is someone listening. To pray assumes that it is not a waste of time. To to pray assumes if only for a moment, that what we say we believe is actually true. Prayer is one of the most authentic acts of faith we have. And so we struggle with it. It's part of the prayer business. Disciples in the story were struggling with prayer, at least that's what we infer from how Luke writes Jesus in talking about this parable so that they can pray without 
losing heart when they pray. And so that's the assumption that they're struggling with prayer just like we do. And because they're struggling with prayer like we do, maybe you try to tune in to that parable a little more closely than you do some other parables that Jesus says. Because we want to know. We want an answer. You know, we want to... We want to know, how, how should we pray? How do we not lose heart when we pray? What things do we need to be reminded of for prayer? And so we might read, it in, read into it a little more closely. What, what do we do? How do we pray? And so when you hear it, one of the things, if you're like me, that you might take away immediately is that one of the pieces of advice is to be like the widow. To pray like the widow in the way that she behaved. To persist like that. This widow who seemingly all she has to offer is this great ability to pester other people into submission. <laughs> so much so that she can pull even justice out of an unjust judge. She's so good at it. So perhaps one of the Moral takeaways is the advice takeaways in prayer is to pray like that, to be persistent like that. And if that's what you're thinking, you would be right. Part of the meaning of this parable is to pray with the persistence of this widow, to, to pray with feisty relentlessness. That's part of it. It reminds me of a story that was told once about Mother Teresa by a powerful attorney at the time named Edward Williams, wrote a biography, and in his biography this story is told. Williams was one of those powerhouse attorneys, you know, he was attorney, he used to be the attorney for Frank Sinatra and Richard Nixon and owned the Washington Redskins and the Baltimore Orioles at one time, and you know, powerhouse type of person. And he was part of this benevolent foundation that, you know, would give out to, to causes. And Mother Teresa set up a time to come in to talk about asking for financial support for AIDS hospice. And as the story's told, Williams talks to his partner, Paul Dietrich, says, Paul, I'm not all that excited about giving to this thing. It's just not one of my, I don't want to do it. But I have this Catholic saint coming, and so I don't know what to do here. And so they talked about it, and they decided that they would listen to what she had to say and respectfully decline. In walks Mother Teresa. And as the story is, describes her, she looked like, it says, a little bird, just kind of completely seemed out of her element in this big room, big desk, powered desk. She just seemed like a little bird there. Not intimidating in the least. And she begins her story, her plea, as to why they should support and provide financial support to AIDS hospice. And she goes through it. And at the end of it, William says, I'm we're touched by your story, but we're not going to contribute to get today. To which Mother Teresa says, let us pray. And she prays. And then at the end of the prayer, she goes back to the beginning of her plea and walks through the entire thing again, word for word, to which William says, politely, no. 
Let us pray. And they go through this routine time and again to the point where Williams finally gets so exacerbated, he stands up and he says, fine, if it'll get you to leave, bring me my checkbook. Now think about that. One does not get to a place in their life where they're able to use prayer in that way unless they've been steeped in prayer their their entire life. That's part of the meaning of the parable. To learn to pray like Mother Teresa, to keep praying until you can pray like that, until you can persist like the widow in the story. But that's not the only meaning. There's a larger meaning. And this one is the one you have to sit with this parable for a little while in order to see it, but it's there. The larger meaning, as Professor Tom Long points out, is that which it's, it's a meaning that doesn't involve the widow or the judge. It involves God and you and me. For if this poor widow can wrangle justice from a judge without honor, how much more will you, a child of God, someone God formed in the womb and has loved from the very beginning, how much more will you find a judge who will listen? For unlike the unjust judge in our story, God is just and will hear what you have to say. Long then recounts a famous story that's been told before about a young boy named Frank who walks along the Mississippi River, along the banks of the Mississippi River, and he comes upon this other little boy who's building a raft. And Frank looks at him and says, what are you doing? Well, I'm building this raft, and I'm going to go out there to that island right there. I dare you to come with me. Well, Frank didn't want to pass up a good dare like that, so he jumps right in. They start building this raft, and they get it all together, and they start off on their journey towards the island, and about halfway there, the raft completely falls apart and sinks to the bottom, and they're stuck there. They have to swim the rest of the way, and they huff and they puff, but they make it. They crawl up onto shore. But now they're stranded out on this island. What are they going to do? About that time, a paddle wheel steamboat comes down river. And Frank immediately jumps up and starts running and waving his arms. Help! Help! He cries. To which the young boy says, I don't know why you're doing that. It's a waste of time. They're not going to hear you. And even if they did hear you, they're not going to give two cents about two dumb kids like us. While he's talking... The boat turns toward them and comes their way. The boy, shocked, looks at Frank and said, what did, How did you do that? And Frank says, Well, what you don't know is that the captain of that boat is my father. Therein lies the larger meaning of the parable. Don't lose heart when you pray. Because the captain of this great ship called life is your father 
your mother, your closest friend, someone who not only is tuned to the sound of your voice, but can't wait to hear what you have to say. You're going to struggle with your prayer life. It's part of the prayer business. It's part of the business of prayer. You're going to struggle with it. No doubt, you're going to ask yourself at times, is there anyone out there listening? Have I turned in too many complaints? The questions will come, but keep praying. Keep praying until you learn how to pray like Mother Teresa. You learn with the persistency of the widow. Keep praying until you can bang on the doors of heaven like every single word matters. As if the captain of the ship is waiting for every word. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. Amen.